Good morning. It's 3 a.m. It's Sunday. <laughs> Sunday, June 23rd. This is show number 94. Good morning. Welcome to show number 94. I am your host, Gummo. And here we are again. Uh, week week two, two weeks that I've been away from the mic. I, um, I've been busy. <laughs> A lot of things going on. What about you? It's good to be here uh, in the Aeon building. And on this really... Um, chilly morning i've actually been sleeping at night and waking up early in the morning so i wasn't uh really tired getting in here this morning i'm treating it more like a morning now (laughs) morning than an evening i've been getting up at four in the morning for the past oh i don't know about a month now and uh, you know, I'll go out for a run and then take a shower and then drive on I-90 for a bit and do my thing. Uh, and it's, it's been relatively, I, w- I wouldn't say warm, I would say comfortable here in the city. It, it, summer is, uh, you know, I've said it in past shows, and this is no different. You, you know, living here in Chicago, you only have really two seasons. <laughs> you know, it, God, I hate saying it, but you, you do, you only have two seasons. You have winter, and then you have Fourth of July. <laughs> there are no in-betweens here in Chicago. It's either one or the other. And so now we're going to shift from, it's been a pleasant spring and summer. It's it's been comfortable in the mid 60s. It's been raining a lot though. But that's good. Uh there's no snow, there's no ice, there's no polar bears <laughs> running around. Everywhere else though seems to be roasting. I think Europe is having some sort of heat wave or they're expecting one. Boy, uh, you know, and hopefully your summer is going well. I think we are officially, the beginning of summer started officially on Friday. And so here we are at the beginning beginning of summer. And you can tell it's summer by the website. We always make it white for the summer and black for the winter. You know, because we like to stay on the edge of technology. 
you know, that's one of the funniest emails I get is when someone's emailing us about the website. <laughs> like, when are you going to do this or when are you going to do that? And why? There's really no need for that. Uh, and plus, you know, if it doesn't work in the links browser, it's just not really working. So I find a great sense of <laughs> accomplishment that it works in the links browser. I really like the fact that our website works very well in the links browser. <laughs> it's extremely useful because it cuts through the cruft of the uh, World Wide Web when you're browsing. And, and if you're not familiar with the links browser, it comes in many flavors of Linux. It's one of the oldest browsers, browsers in the world. And it's... <laughs> It's really, it's a contextual browser. There's no ads, there's no JavaScript, there's no anything. And believe it or not, Google works quite well with it as well. Uh, if Google is your search engine of choice. And so does DuckDuckGo. So if that's not interesting, you know. I was going to share this evening a um, talk from TEDx that I listened to last week. I shared it, I shared it uh, with a few people. It was interesting. And I don't think we'll have time to play it on the show this evening because I have about two weeks worth of things to catch up on. And there's a couple things I want to talk about. And also uh, for the main event tonight, we're going to play something from 1985 where they are, where people are in, it's just really cool. It's it, it, I'll tell you more about it uh, when we get to the main event here this evening. Uh, so, the, yeah, it's it's just, ooh, wow, lots of news to catch up on. And boy, do we have a lot of news to catch up on. You know, so recently in the news, Walmart, you know, that big conglomerate store, <laughs> the big gray store that used to have a star uh, Walmart supposedly is has been reported to be using artificial intelligence AI-powered cameras to search for shoplifters at self-checkouts. That's kind of interesting. I wonder... I, wonder, I don't know. Of course, you know, Facebook, the the wonderful social media platform that is 150, what a, it's quite large. It's much substantially larger than the Library of Congress. Anyhow, the Facebook, it's been reported also that, you know, at Facebook, there are these people that moderate the content that, uh, you know, seems sort of dodgy and sketchy and they are called content moderators and they are, they review content that's posted to their platform and it's been reported that it's it's just a de, a, a depraved position to work for it, from what i was able to discern from what i was reading the facebook hires people in florida in these call centers it, it's like a call center but they, you know, it's, it, you know, it's, yeah, it's a, it's like a call center, right? And they, these, these moderators are paid hourly and they are, the, the working conditions are 
reportedly pretty awful. And not only that, it's the, the contents of the job itself. And from what the report said was that, you know, these content moderators are winding up with um, post-traumatic stress uh, disorder and and uh, it's really awful to read about and so I, I don't know what to what to really add to that other than you know if, if it's a good time for AI I think that's that would be the perfect place to get AI get AI off the ground uh, anyhow and you know, it just seems like every there in today's news. I mean, I'm sure someone listening to this in about 50 years will. I don't know. I don't know how you'll react, but today in everyday life, on the television, on the radio, on every everywhere that you get your media fix, there we have television, we have radio, we have satellite radio, we have the internet. Everybody's walking around with phones in their hands, looking down at it. And everywhere that you look and and listen, there are stories about this this company called Facebook and this this social media, this website, basically where people go to and talk to each other. And it just it 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 just has lots of negative press on it and and it continues and that in politics politics are really big these days and um speaking like i'm starting a time capsule here anyhow spacex you know they uh have this system that they're putting together called starlink aka skynet (laughs) uh and it's very controversial and that's you know it's I, i think it's only controversial because the founder Elon Musk, the guy who brings uh, cars and Mars missions, soon to be Mars missions and technologies and rockets and all of that stuff, I think maybe, maybe the guy really is um, putting his forward-thinking practicality to use, and others that never normally did that are uh, creating controversy, but. Uh, he's got this system that he's putting putting together called Starlink, and that's going to be interesting to see how that that all unravels in about ten years or so. It really will. It'll be interesting. Uh, you know, and speaking of mobile phones. Uh, there are things going around right now if you are a mobile phone user. It's called a SIM swap attack, right? And these SIM swap attacks are are absolute... Um, it's a big deal right now because um, a SIM stands for a subscriber identification module. And basically, a SIM is... It's a smart card without the card. It's just the, the, the chip, right? And the chip is inserted into your phone. And that technology, which has been around since the 70s, uh, has all of your uh, identifying information, you know, your, your name, your address, your, uh, hopefully not your social security number or any taxpayer ID numbers or anything like that. But it's possible. Uh, and 
it has a wealth of information on the owner of that. And not only that, right? A lot of people save information to their Sims, like most specifically their contacts. And in this day and age, no one really remembers telephone numbers like they did back in the olden days, you know. Uh, and so basically you put someone in your telephone as a contact and that's that, right? You, you, when you go to phone them, you call them by name. And so it, it becomes a big deal, especially if you are also actively involved in the cryptocurrency com community. Uh, a great way for an attacker to make a little cash and mess up your life, uh, of course, is um, thankfully attributed to this t sort of attack. Uh, but listen, you know, there are a few tweaks that you can do uh, in your everyday life that can help you reduce the likelihood of some kind of thing like this happening to you. Uh, and again, you know, SIM swapping involves basically a hacker duping your cell pr phone provider into believing that you're reactivating or activating your SIM card on another device. So in other words, they're stealing your phone number and associating it with their SIM card. If successful, which it normally is, this attack will deactivate your device and their device will now be a, the destination for all of your texts, all of your phone calls, all of your data, uh, accounts tied to your phone number, everything. And so, uh, you know, that's kind of scary, right? Because a lot of people have their, a lot of things on their phones. And so when you start getting password reset, uh, SMS messages to your what to your bank right that two-factor authentication and so that's one of the reasons people uh, will do a sim swap attack on your phone to obtain two-factor authentication the attacker can also access your apps your personal data and financial information they can even lock you out of your services and if you think about how many apps and accounts that your phone number uses to verify your identity, uh, and not even when you log in with your username and password, which an attacker won't know, but the recovery mechanisms you do know, which is what your SMS, your you know your yeah you know your phone number, uh, all of that is tied to your uh, su subscriber identity module, uh, and a person doesn't need physical access to your phone to perform a SIM swap. They can do it all remotely, regardless of your device, make, or model. Uh, it doesn't matter who your service provider is either. They just need to have enough information on you to convince a customer service support representative that they are you. You may not see a SIM swap scam headed your way until it's too late, unfortunately. And the easiest way to tell that you've been targeted by a SIM swap is when you see strange behavior from your phone, like the inability to send and receive texts or make a phone call. Or, you know, the normal stuff that you consider uh, your, your phone capable of uh, doing from day to day. It's a lot easier to set up a defense against a SIM swap attack. Uh, and it's, uh, it, you know, the, not everything's foolproof, but, you, the, the, you know, some things can help. And so the first step, uh, you, you know, you got to be careful of uh, phishing attacks. Don't click any links that arrive to your phone in sms be careful of email links that you get uh unsolicited emails whether or not it looks uh innocuous or not right like if it's a recipe or something that you're interested in 
these people will have done their research on you to understand who you are and what you're valued at, and then they will perform their SIM swap attack. So it's kind of advisable to... So my method of avoiding the SIM attack is to layer all of your two-factor authenticated calls and texts to a voice uh, voice-based number or, or a um, a voiceover IP number uh, to where you are able to get that uh, sort of information. That way, you know, and there's plenty of providers like Vonage, Magic Jack, uh, and those types of companies that allow texting to their land-based voiceover IP numbers. And then you can start uh, really getting down and dirty with your um, two-factor authentication because there's no uh, chance whatsoever for your account to be compromised. But uh, getting on back to you, if that's all you have is a mobile device, uh, you can you can uh, protect your SIM by creating a PIN number that, and also uh, create a PIN number and an additional uh, security layer for when you're logging into your accounts. Uh, with your cellular carrier, it's it's really um, it's really beneficial to have that extra password security and PIN numbers everywhere. If something offers to have a PIN number, it's probably there for a reason. Uh, also, on your security recovery questions, anywhere you go on the internet, make sure that those recovery questions aren't tied to your personal information that you're most likely TikToking about. Hey, by the way, I, that is a very that is an extremely addictive app, TikTok. I created an account, and I just you just it's like you flip. Anyhow, I'm getting off topic here, but anyhow, it's very very easy to protect your mobile data with just a few extra security steps. And knowing that type of information uh, now that you know that should help you. Um, avoid a sim attack and trust me folks these the uh, a sim attack a sim swap attack can be the most <laughs> dangerous attack you can imagine because once it happens to you it's all it's game over right all of your apps banking information everybody you know it's just a matter of time and usually uh and from my experience too uh doing research into this it seems that once you are targeted, the people that target you know what time zone you live in. And so they estimate what type of life you live by when you're posting on social media. They want to know, you know, they, they notice that there's no, they'll look for time indifferences and so forth. And so be careful about that. And it's really easy to find your phone number too. I just wanted to throw that out there. It's super easy. All you need is a name this day and age. You don't need anything else. All you need is a name. God. And it, it, it it's it's something else, I'll tell you. Listen, uh, it, it's just not getting any easier for a lot of cities that are being hit with ransomware either. Recently, uh, the city of Fort Lauderdale, Florida got hit with uh, some ransomware and they agreed to pay $600,000 in Bitcoin to the hackers who took over the their IT infrastructure. 
The Riviera Beach City Council voted unanimously this week to pay the hackers' demands, believing the Palm Beach suburb had no choice if it wanted to retrieve its records, which the hackers encrypted. The council already voted to spend almost $1 million on new computers and hardware after hackers captured the city's system three weeks ago. The hackers apparently got into the city's system when an employee clicked on an email link that allowed them to upload malware. Along with the encrypted records, the city had numerous problems including a disabled email system, employees and vendors being paid by check rather than direct deposit, and 911 dispatchers being unable to enter calls into the computer system. The city also goes to say that there was no delay in response time. Um, Spokeswoman Rose Ann Brown said that the city of 35,000 residents has been working with outside security consultants who recommended the ransom be paid. And I think I spoke about that on a few shows ago and that, that they were consulted properly. She concluded that no guarantees that once the hackers receive the money that they will release the records, the payment is being covered by insurance, of course. The FBI on its website said that it doesn't support paying off hackers, but Riviera Beach isn't alone. Many government agencies and businesses, of course, do. And you are advised to if you want your data back. Uh, she went on to say that they are relying on the advice of the consultants, uh, and she went on to say that the hackers demanded payment in the cryptocurrency Bitcoin. While it's possible to trace Bitcoins as they are spent, the owners of the accounts aren't necessarily known for making it a favored payment method in ransomware attacks. Recently, numerous governments and businesses have been hit in the United States and worldwide by ransomware attacks. Unfortunately for the city of Baltimore, they refused to pay the hackers $76,000 demand. And now they're looking at uh, almost a $40 million payout and growing each day. <sighs> and it goes on and on, right? You guys get it. And that's what I advise. If you are hit with a cyber ransomware attack, and if they got if, if you've if if they got you, what are you going to do? And again, right? There are no guarantees once the ransom is paid. But that that definitely gives you a chance to get your data back and get your your government up and functioning and listen to a couple shows back if you want to listen on how I would have done it I make it sound comical and I don't mean for it to be comical because it's not but that's you know it's whatever and NASA learned the hard way recently when someone connected a rogue Raspberry Pi to JPL systems and Oh, I don't know. A couple gigabytes of data were missing. Also, Argentina and Uruguay had a massive power outage. Both countries reported a massive power outage, and there were millions, millions, and millions of people were without power for a, a while, a couple days, 
both countries have said that it was not associated with any sort of cyber attack. And speaking of cyber attacks, uh, it just came through the grapevine that the United States recently retaliated on Iran with cyber weapons, shutting down a lot of cyber infrastructure in Iran. And I think Apple's CEO, Tim Cook, recently summed it up the best when he said technology companies need to take responsibility for the chaos they create, quote. I couldn't agree more. Iran's arch nemesis, Israel, has a company that claims that it can unlock an iPhone, any version for law enforcement authorities anywhere in the world, you know, of course, for a price. Wonder how hard that would be to get an iPhone that was very valuable and impersonate a police, you know, a small town police department. What would they know, right? See, there's a hole in almost everything. It's no surprise that U.S. power firms are also being probed. And I hear a, a couple good crews are up to that task, or at least being accused of it. Telegram also got hit with a cyber attack. The CEO says that was the recent Hong Kong protests about extradition to China. I like Telegram. Telegram's a cool app. <laughs> and also speaking of ransomware, you know, a Belgian aircraft parts maker recently was crippled by a ransomware attack. The entire company from A to B, a billion dollar company. Billions of dollars. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at their misfortune, but eh, just I don't know. Also, the city of Lake City got hit with ransomware by the triple threat cyber attack. I don't know how they responded to it. It doesn't have it here in my show notes. And lastly, we got to the end of the news, folks. Lastly, the NSA warns Microsoft Windows users you better update now or face, quote, devastating damage now listen folks if you're running if you're using microsoft windows you deserve quote devastating damage that's all i'm going to say about that's the news folks and that's what we're going to wrap it up with all right so for tonight the main events uh and i you know i always think about things to run on the main event i guess that's what we're going to call it the main event tonight's main event but uh, it was very, very cool. And I wanted to share that with you. I, I don't know, I'm serious. It's super cool. It's from the 80s. It's from 1985. And it's, <laughs> just listen to this. It's super, super cool. It's from 1985. And it's a lot of computer scientists talking about 
all kinds of weird shit that you now every day we or that now that we take for granted every day. Check so check it out. This is from 1985, 85, not 2005 or not 95, but 1985. Listen to this shit. Check it out. What is happening now is a more fundamental, profound change than mankind has ever experienced. Today looks nothing like our yesterdays. We open our eyes in the 1980s and we see a world that's totally new. The most common everyday things in our lives are changing at an incredibly rapid pace. Watches aren't just watches. They're calendars. Clocks are radios. Music is video. Televisions aren't just for entertainment, they're for banking or getting a degree. Telephones aren't just for calling home anymore, they're for accessing data banks containing every conceivable kind of information, for sending copies of letters and drawings across the globe in seconds. Telephones are in our cars as well as our homes and offices. Our homes and offices are coming together more and more. With computers, people are able to work at home or telecommute light still wakes us in the morning as it always has. But now laser light performs surgery without a scalpel, treats cancerous cells, predicts earthquakes, or shoots underground through hair-thin fibers of glass carrying thousands of messages at lightning speed. Welcome to the Information Age. I'm Robert Trumbull, and I'm here to take you on a journey through mankind's history to the threshold of a world of new opportunities, a world of wonders matched only by our dreams. In the agricultural age, life was based on the lessons man learned from his past, when to plant, when to harvest. And man created tools, the wheel, the plow, to aid in his survival. In the industrial age, man labored in factories. Life was based on the present. Produce the goods, ship them out. And man created new tools, machines, assembly lines. The industrial age peaked several decades ago, with most of the American workforce employed in manufacturing and heavy industry. Then, things began to change. People moved into jobs as office workers, librarians, managers. By 1956, over one-half the workforce was involved in the creating, processing, and distributing of information. In 1957, the Russians launched Sputnik, and a new era began. 
suddenly a much smaller world could communicate by satellite. In the information age, our new tools, computers and communication technologies, have extended both our physical and our intellectual capabilities. As we begin to think, create, and communicate globally, our gaze shifts to the future. With the tools of the information age, we look forward to a richer, longer, more interesting life. Scientists believe that the technologies of this new age may even allow us to extend ourselves perceptually, to move through seams and even manipulate parts of the environment at long distance. And what I see as the ultimate uh, result of uh, fiber optics, uh, uh, lasers, uh, and the new developments in holography, which are just very rudimentary, just, just far beyond uh, fiber optics, but coming along, uh, is a time when you can uh, do just what those fellows do in Star Trek. You can beam up and down. Uh, you can create uh, yourself electronically somewhere else or deal with someone electronically here by, by uh, holography, three-dimensional, uh, living, moving uh, television. And you may say, that's, a, that's a, you know, a pie in the sky. But if you look at the trends, that's something that will become a reality, if not at the end of this century, certainly sometime in the next century. The tools of the information age, computers and communications, were separate technologies for years. Today, they are rapidly coming together to create systems that will offer the capabilities and economies of the future. The first large-scale computer, ENIAC, was produced by Sperry Rand in 1946. It was the size of a room. It had 18,000 vacuum tubes, and one of them blew every six minutes. The changes that occurred after the development of the ENIAC with its vacuum tubes involved the use of the transistor which was invented shortly thereafter. The transistor is different from the vacuum tube in many ways. It is more reliable. It does not break as easily. It uses far less power. And it is, uh, its lifetime is enormous compared to that of the vacuum tube. It's the development of the uh, transistor and its successors, the integrated circuits which have reduced the size of a computer from that of a room down to something the size of a fingernail. Today, this tiny, reliable microcomputer performs thousands of times more tasks than ENIAC for a fraction of the cost. If automobiles had advanced in the same ways as computers, a car today would cost $2.50, would get 1.5 million miles per gallon, and would weigh about half Communications, the other technological tool of the information age, had slower beginnings than computers. Delivery of messages took days, weeks, sometimes even years. Then messages were sent by mail, telegram, telephone. Undersea cables and satellite technology made it possible for nations to communicate in a matter of seconds. Now the science of light communications has turned the highways of yesterday into the superhighways of the information age, where our ideas travel on light-beam paths. A tiny laser the size of a pinhead sends an intense beam of light through a thread of glass or optical fiber. 
the light beam pulses at an amazing 90 million times per second. It would take yesterday's copper telephone lines 21 hours to transmit the same amount of information that an optical fiber sends in one second. Already, hundreds of thousands of miles of fiber optics networks crisscross the country and the world. The 1984 Summer Olympic Games were telecast via a digital television lightwave system linking 23 Olympic event sites. Each time the laser switches off and on in a fiber optics network, a bit of information moves through the glass thread. The light beam is talking digital, the language of computers. Computers are learning another language, ours. We'll be very smart. With all the developments that are going on at present, we hope that in the not too far distant future, it will be possible to carry out this conversion from the spoken word to the computer and be able to tell the computer directly by mouth what it is you want it to do. This will save an enormous amount of uh, bother and effort in converting uh, your ideas to a written form, typing them and sending them out in that way. This will make the computer more friendly and a much more usable device. Computers and communication merging to form the systems of the information age. In the past, manufacturers provided just one part of the information business, computers or communications equipment. Customers are now looking to buy systems from one source. So companies worldwide are broadening their products and services by investing or merging. This integration of technology will link many of the operations of a factory or business into a single centralized system with global access to information. So sometime, perhaps in the not too distant future, the following scenario could take place. A scientist in Italy makes a major discovery. He enters it into a world data bank. A researcher at a US company sees the data and calls the engineering department. The engineer designs the product and sends the plans to the foreman, who programs the plans into his computer, which automatically re-gears the assembly line and orders the parts from inventory. The advertising department develops the new product introduction, and the sales team is trained via teleconferencing. All of these functions are performed and coordinated by one system. With the integration of technologies, we'll be able to pool the expertise of great minds worldwide. We'll have instantaneous access to information that will solve problems, prevent crimes, save lives. Imagine, a child's life is saved because the knowledge of doctors nationwide is pooled and immediately accessible to a small town physician who is quickly able to diagnose and treat the problem. An elusive mineral vital to the economy of a region is located hundreds of times more quickly at a fraction of the cost. Because the expertise of nationwide geologists is pooled and focused on the search. Do these sound like scenarios of the distant future? They're not. These are technological applications that have already been implemented. And the technologies are almost in place to turn these and many other information age benefits into affordable, widely available realities. Almost. We need to go a step further. 
The United States must develop an information infrastructure, the final stage in the merging of communications and computer technologies. In the industrial age, a region's economic growth and vitality depended on the efficient planning of transportation, water, sewer, and electrical systems. In the information age, the growth industries will be attracted to the regions that develop strong information infrastructures. An information infrastructure is a grid of fiber optic cable, microwave towers, satellites, connecting telephones to computers, to buildings, to cities, to nations. Those towns, cities, states, and countries that develop the strongest infrastructures will get the largest share of a global communications market that will be worth over $1 trillion by 1990. How can we be sure that the United States will have a strong share of that market? We have foreign competitors who are ready and able to penetrate our markets here in the USA. Japan's goal, for example, is to gain a 30% share of the world computer market and an 18% share of the American market by 1990. Japan has announced that they're going to build a fifth generation computer, which is really a computer that goes beyond what anything we have today. It, it deals with building what is now uh, called artificial intelligence or expert systems. They're inference engines where they learn from themselves and they provide knowledge to you and you don't deal with them just by processing transactions. <clears throat> you give it data and it uh, gives you back information. Uh, you give it more information and it learns from itself and it continues to build its knowledge. And uh, this fifth generation computer is gonna, if it's successful, uh, could put Japan miles ahead of the rest of the world. Other countries are also advancing rapidly in information age technologies. The French Postal and Communications Authority plans to equip each of its 30 million telephone subscribers with a video data terminal by 1992. The same systems are operational in the United Kingdom, Canada, West Germany, and Japan. The United States is making similar advances in information age technologies and infrastructures, but our lead is slim and getting slimmer. The communications equipment business is a good example. It's a $40 billion market expected to grow to $90 billion in the next five years. But for the first time, in 1983, the United States imported more communications equipment than it exported. Our world market shares in switching equipment, fiber optics manufacturing, and microprocessing are being challenged. We've seen our major industries lose world market positions in the past. Between 1959 and 1979, many of our leading companies in the chemical, electronic, appliance, automotive, and manufacturing industries lost positions as world market leaders. With information technology approaching a $1 trillion market, and with high-tech industries creating jobs 30% faster than any other industry, there is too much at stake to let the same thing happen to our information age industries. Because after all, we are in a competitive environment and the one that can produce the lowest cost quality service is going to win the business. And I think the people who do the best job of producing technology-driven products, 
that our quality, low-cost products are going to be the winners. American minds have brought the greatest technologies of all time to the world. Because if there's one thing Americans have always valued, it's a good idea. But if the United States is to remain the leader in the information age, good ideas will have to come at a faster pace than ever before. Businesses and government policymakers will need to have a far-sighted, unified vision of the future and plans that allow for the development of a strong nationwide infrastructure. As critical to economic development in the information age, as good highways were to economic development in the industrial age. Plans that free American information age companies to use their resources to introduce the technologies of the future as economically as possible and with widespread availability to the public. Because the public has the right to the best performance that the most advanced technologies can offer now, not later. We open our eyes in the 1980s and we see a world that requires a greater, more far-seeing vision than ever before. Some people say that the United States has lost the ability to have a greater vision of the future. That business people and policymakers are only concerned with short-term, catch-as-catch-can problem-solving. I disagree. We're world leaders because our vision has always encompassed the past, present, and future. Some people say the entrepreneurs and dreamers are no longer with us, just when we need them the most. But since information and the good ideas that follow are our most precious commodities in this new age. We're way ahead. Ever since there was an America, we have valued the ingenuity of the human mind. Our greatest minds in business, politics, and technology will continue to work together to anticipate and meet the challenges of our tomorrows. And so that was our trip back to 1985, right? That was what uh, I don't even know, you know. What do you say about that? Anyhow, I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was interesting. I thought I'd share it with you. Maybe if I had time I we I would talk a little bit about it, but maybe on the next, you know what? On the next podcast we will be sure to check the events page, folks. Even though our website is, doesn't have fly-ins, menus, and banners and shit floating around it, uh, the events page is really useful, and you should check it out because there you can interact and meet people that are into the same kind of cool shit you are. And so I advise you to get outside. It's summertime. Enjoy the warm weather because you know what you are going to be like me in a few months you're going to be complaining that it's cold <laughs> that's all i'm going to say hey listen we've got some big plans soon so stay tuned for that 
I don't have any more to I don't have any more than that. That's all I've got in the notes here. It just says big plan soon. Stay tuned with a smiley face. <laughs> we have a storage unit full of shit, so only God knows what we're gonna do. Uh big shouts out to my friends in New Jersey and New York City. Man, I don't even know what to say about my friends in New York, man. Thank you so much for um <laughs> wow. Thank you for everything. Man, I to, <laughs> thank you. Uh, with that said, that's it, folks. That's uh, and thank you, thank you for listening to the podcast. Why the hell you're listening to this? I don't know, but here we are. We're doing it. I'm doing it. You're doing it. It's summertime. Get the fuck outside and enjoy the weather. Fuck, don't sit inside all summer long. And if it's wintertime where you're at, well, then come up here to the summer. <laughs> And that said, folks, that's show number 94. We're going to go ahead and close it out. And with that, enjoy yourself. Enjoy everything that the summer has to bring you. And I'll try to be back here next week. But, you know, it's summertime, right? And I'm kind of busy. (laughs) Again, thanks to my friends in New Jersey and New York. I love you guys. Thank you so much. And I will see you guys next time for show number 95 here on... Well, you know what we'll do. See you later, guys. Bye. I'm here outside when you're ready. When you're ready for me. Take out the shots and confetti.